Uh, Pastor Eric wanted uh, me to continue on in uh, Through the Bible uh, series, and so tonight I have the joy and the privilege of introducing the book of Ephesians. So if you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, uh, his desire was also that I would just introduce it, uh, not go all the way through the first chapter. Uh, so we are going to just look at the first introductory uh, verses of Scripture as well as consider some of the historical content, how it got started, uh, and those kinds of things. You know, right near the end of the Battle of Britain, a British vice marshal by the name of Alexander Adams was driving to a meeting, going down the road, uh, and the meeting was at his headquarters. And uh, as he was going down through, all of a sudden there was this huge sign with an arm across it said, Road Closed, Unexploded Bomb ahead. You know, so he stopped and he wasn't sure how to go from that point to where he needed to get to. And, and so he called over one of the MPs, Dan Hooker, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, one of the MPs that happened to be near and, you know, just to find out how to get where he needed to go. And uh, the young man said, sorry, sir, you can't go through. The bomb is likely to go off at any moment. But then the young man, as he got closer, saw the rank of Alexander Adams and that he was a vice marshal. And he goes, I didn't know you were a wing commander. Feel free to go ahead. (laughs) Now, I have no idea what that has to do with the book of Ephesians. I'm kidding. When we look at the book of Ephesians and when I consider the overall theme, and Pastor Eric might change that when he comes back, as I read through this precious letter, I see the glorious body of Christ. I would highly recommend you, to each of you, that if you had a a letter or one of the books of the Bible to to cling to, to read through, to understand the best, this would be one of those letters because it really gives you and I everything that we need to know to be able to glorify Christ within the body of Christ, individually, corporately, family, work, and understand in the midst of all of that that there is a spiritual battle that's going on that wants to derail you and I. And so rather than that young policeman who says, go ahead, we have a Lord and Savior and a Holy Spirit who would say, Stop, consider, pray, follow me, and give us the right directions. The glorious body of Christ. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you again for your goodness to us. Thank you for the wonder of your word. Lord, tonight as we plunge into this beautiful epistle, Lord, I pray that 
this word would fall fresh on our hearts. That your spirit would rub it deep into our hearts in fertile soil in a profound way and that each one of us would be encouraged because I know that for many here tonight it has already been a long week and we are here for refreshment. We are here to see you. We are here to meet with you. And we know that we are in your presence. And so we just pray that your word and that your spirit would go beyond encouraging us, but would challenge us and change us. So we ask your hand a blessing on this time. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Notice that very first verse in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. When we look at that, and as Eric has shared many times, that thought of being an apostle simply means a sent one. Paul is declaring, I am one who has been sent by the will of God to share the word of God to multitudes. Ephesians, the the city of Ephesus is up in Turkey. It's on, on the, the main sea there, and it's kind of northeast of the, the uh, island of Crete. And, and it is a, a remote area, but it was a, it was a place that was um, just bustling, bustling with activity as far as trade goes, but also bustling with idolatry. It, it was a place that really was very dark in that world at that time. And he's declaring and he's reminding the folks there that he is a sent one of Jesus Christ and totally by the will of God. He is there because God had ordained him to go. Now, when he writes this, he, he is in prison. It's about 60, 61, 62, 63, right in that area of time. And and he, but he had been there and a part of everything that is going on. The rest of the verse says this, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. What a commendation. Realizing that they were true pursuers of Christ, honest disciples, earnest disciples, a term that you guys will see soon as we kick off the men's retreat and looking at the men's retreat. Those that strive to be genuine followers of Christ that make a difference in the world. And that's how he calls them and how he looks at them, saints, those who are truly set apart, those who are truly following after Christ, who are in Ephesus. Well, hold your finger right there, and let's go back to the book of Acts and look how this church started. Go in your Bibles back to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. And follow along as I read the first five verses. And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said unto them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
So they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Paul continues to press them, and he said unto them, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said unto them, John indeed baptized the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe in him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I I want us to see tonight that that these disciples, these folks, the founding of this church was founded on the truth of Christ, the truth of the gospel of Christ. Your life and my life, you know, this church is founded on the truth of the gospel of Christ. Amen? Amen. The reality that salvation is by faith in him and him alone. Paul didn't stop with thinking, well, you're okay, Uh, John's baptism was pretty good. You know, you you repented and you were baptized and, you know. uh, But he wanted to give them clearly the picture that faith had to be in the one who would come after, Christ the Lord. And he shared with them that, that wonderful truth. And as we look at this passage, they very willingly then went forward and were baptized again. Now in a believer's baptism. You know, we've been announcing for some time that we're going to have a baptism Easter Sunday. And how cool does that get? And the wonder of it. But it's believer's baptism. It's meant for those who have placed their faith in Christ alone and his finished work on Calvary and the repentance of sin and faith in God. Having new life. New life that's founded in the truth. They wanted to become followers of Christ, and they did. They were founded, grounded in that truth. Look at verses 6 and 7. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. Not a very big crowd, was it? Just a seedling, the house of seed. I love that. The house of seed and the wonder of it. But he understood, Paul understood, that now as we jump into the church age, it would be through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. It would be that consistent walk in Christ where the Holy Spirit could bring radical change from within out so that the church would be founded truly in the power of God and not the wisdom and power of man. That's the grassroots of a church. That's the grassroots of a believer's life. Wanting yearning for a relationship with the holy creator of the universe, which he brings to pass only through his son. Continue on in 
In verse in, in verses 24 through 26, we see something happening now in Ephesus because more and more folks are beginning to believe the truth about Jesus Christ. And then there's this guy, Demetrius. Verse 24, he says, For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. In other words, this was a booming business. This was extremely profitable to worship this this idol that was filled with just lust and carnality. Verse 25, and he called together uh, with the workers of similar occupation, and he said, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, This Paul has persuaded and turned away many people saying, there are not gods which are made with hands. You know, the life that is going to be founded in the truth of God wants to have a life that is set free from the idols of this world. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you and I today, the church of 2016, battle idols today? Are they everywhere? We don't have to go very far to be confronted by the reality that something wants to draw our attention away from the one who saved our wretched soul. And they are idols. could be found in our wallet and the ambition of money. could be found in, in houses, property. Now, I'm not saying that those things aren't good things. I'm just saying that they can distract you and I from passionately pursuing Jesus Christ. And anything, anything or anyone that would distract a child of God, from pursuing a relationship and maintaining a relationship with Jesus Christ becomes an idol, an idol of the heart, an idol which would bring separation from the great relationship that we can have in Christ. Demetrius, he, he, he is really frustrated, and he understands that it's digging into his pocket. The trade is being diminished because people whose lives are founded in the truth of God are coming away from those things and following after Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself shared this truth in John chapter 8. Said, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word... You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That is being experienced as we read this text in this city of Ephesus. People's lives are being radically changed so that they can follow after Christ. Empowered by the Spirit of God radically making a difference in their community. I would ask, 
how do we prepare our hearts and lives against the battle that Satan wages, striving to distract you and I from this precious relationship with God? What plan do you and I put in place in our lives so that God Christ is the very center of it. By the time you get to Ephesians chapter 6, the whole plan will be unfolded before us. But we're going to see some nuggets tonight. Look in Acts chapter 20 and look at verses 17 and following. Notice what it says from Miletus. He sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia what manner I have lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility and with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews." What Paul is unfolding for you and I here as he talks to the elders in Ephesus is the fact that he truly guided or discipled or mentored the leadership that was there. He guided them through the truth, and he did it with all humility. You know, I think that that's one of the great unique things about Rocky Mountain Calvary. Uh, Eric and the rest of the pastoral staff and leadership staff here, they are humble men and women of God who would lead us the exact same way, serving the Lord completely in that humility. Verse 20 goes on and says, And hey, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted to share with them everything that is helpful to walk this walk, knowing that our adversary is that roaring lion. He seeks to destroy. He wants to steal us of the hope and the joy that we have within our walk with God. And he wanted and he did share with them Everything that's helpful. That's why we go verse by verse here at Rocky Mountain Calvary so that we can see the full scope of God's word and allow it to fall fresh in our hearts. Doing it consistently, doing it committedly in a profound way. Earnestly desiring that each and every one of us would understand the truth in such a way that we could apply it to our daily life. Remember your own children if you've been blessed with children. And the first time that uh, that little hand went up towards a hot thing on the stove. And remember what you said? What did you yell out? No, or hot, something to try to get their attention so that they wouldn't touch it. We wanted to guide them through life, and then when they became teenagers, whoa. And we wondered, oh, 
I'm going to be gray before I get through child number one, and you so richly blessed us with four. (laughs) You know, but wanting to help them, guide them through all the peer pressure, all the junk that is out there, earnestly wanting them to see the wonder of who you are consistently in their lives. Drop down to verse 27 and notice what it says. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I want you to know that Pastor Eric truly believes and the rest of us truly believe we are richly blessed by you. And we understand that you are only here because the Holy Spirit has entrusted you here to that leadership and that desire. That is the glorious body of Christ. It is you through the power of the Holy Spirit earnestly wanting to see a church that is truly founded upon the truth and guided and discipled cautiously and wonderfully for God's grace, through God's grace and strength alone. Do you get a picture of Paul's heart for the folks in Ephesus? These believers? And I hope you'll grab this. It is Eric's and all of our pastor's heart towards you. We are meant to be a lighthouse in the middle of Colorado Springs that radiates the light and love of Christ in a profound way that makes a difference in this community. Whether it's feeding the poor and the homeless, sending out missionaries, sharing the word of God in every practical way that we can because we want the body of Christ to blossom and grow through the word of God, through the power of his spirit. And he just lays his heart out before them. Peter admonished elders in 1 Peter chapter 5, and you do not need to turn there, but let me read the first few verses there. He says, The elders among who are among you I exhort, whom I am a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. And this is Peter sharing with them. He said, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not being lords over them, those entrusted to you, again by the Holy Spirit, and being examples to the flock. And when the good shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. 
earnestly striving to be godly examples, and that's what Paul did in Ephesus, and that's what Peter wanted to happen within the 12 tribes of Israel, earnestly seeing the glory of God, seeing the word of God come to fruition in the hearts and lives of people. Now turn back in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Not only was it founded on the truth and guided and discipled, but notice what God does. Look at verses 2 through 4. It says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but those are two profound words, grace and peace. You know, we often pray for the fact that we want to know the peace of God that passes what? All understanding. You know, and as you look at that Philippians 4 passage, and as I look at Philippians 4 passage, it starts with rejoice in the Lord again always, and again I say rejoice, and develop that relationship, learning how to pray and give thanksgiving in God. And then by the time you get you and I get to verse 9, Paul reminds us that everything that we have seen and heard and been taught in a person, leader's life in the Word of God to do. Allow them to be the example. Then the God of peace would be with us. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's a profound thought. You and I are blessed. Blessed by God. And all God's people said, I'll tell you, if that doesn't start getting us excited about this relationship and what Christ has brought to pass in the wonders of salvation, I I don't know what will. I I remember uh, Layman Strauss saying it this way, boy, if that doesn't give you a quiver in your liver, I don't know what will. You know, and the wonder of this relationship, he has blessed us, not with some, but with everything every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Think of it. In in heaven, God is willing to forgive you and I yet today. Isn't that a spiritual blessing in heavenly places? You and I just have to confess and repent, and Christ will look at our heavenly Holy Father and say, I paid for that. Think about the reality, and we just sang about it in the second song, the, the wonder that the righteousness of Christ has been put to our account so that we will be declared holy in that day when we see our God face to face. We won't be caught in our own righteousness, which mine are filthy rags but the glorious righteousness of Christ. Spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I don't know about you, but I yearn and wonderfully look forward to a glorified body. You know, I'm a little tired of this sin-saturated thing filled with the sin nature yet and the battle still going on. So I constantly pray, 
Even so, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> I yearn for a revival. And guess what? A revival's got to start here in our hearts. You know, if you think the present election that's coming up in November is going to do it, we're, whoa. You know, it's got to start in God's people. It's got to start with our hearts being laid bare and, and us being committed through the power of the Holy Spirit to radically make a difference here in this community, in this state. Notice that next verse, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we, and and Paul includes himself again, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The magnitude of God's love for you and I, that you and I can stand there holy and without blame through the sacrifice of Christ that he has given us in his righteousness being imputed to our lives, standing there in his love. We are truly blessed, folks. Those saints in Ephesus knew that they were highly favored by God. God had invaded their lives and radically made a difference, changing a community through them, and it started with 12. 12 seeing the truth of God and going forward. Look at the last two verses we're going to look at tonight. Verses 5 and 6, having predestinated us to the adoption of sons. Listen, we're adopted We're adopted by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his his will, to the praise and glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Look at that. Adopted as children. I am amazed that the holy creator of the universe would not only want to save my soul, but then adopt me to allow me to be a child of God and then to allow me to be truly planted into the body of Christ for a functional reason. To effectively carry out the gospel of Christ in my own life, in our family, in the church body where we are at. He was happy to do that. Our son was born and and Diane had a a long, long uh, labor and uh, finally they had to help her and and so I don't want to gross anybody out. Here's your Wednesday night gross. Uh, They use forceps you know, and that little critter, and this is in an army hospital in Okinawa. Uh, I couldn't be in there. This is, you know, 72, and there was no way that they would allow a GI in there. And, uh, and I was waiting out in the waiting room, and uh, uh, finally a nurse, <clears throat> a, a young private, came wheeling out uh, Stephen. And uh, she said these words, Here's your son. Isn't he beautiful? Now, his head was so deformed and so marked up. You know, I just sat there and I go, he's my son. (laughs) 
by the good pleasure of his will, if you have trusted Christ as your personal Savior, he has wonderfully adopted you into his family and placed you very strategically in the body of Christ, equipping you to do that which would bring glory to him within the body of Christ here So I have a couple of questions to ask you. Three, before we take communion. Is your hope secure in those blessings? In other words, have you truly trusted Christ as Savior? The next verse, and I'll steal it from Eric from next week, it says, in him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. For by grace we are saved through faith. Are you genuinely secure in those blessings in heavenly places? Do you you and I allow them to make a difference in the confidence that we walk in this wicked, evil, dark world because it is the light and love of Christ that propels us and causes us to go on? Is your identity in Christ evident in your everyday walk? Do you walk like a child of God? You know, the old saying, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's got to be a duck. Yeah. Are we seen as Christians? As truly a child of God, is our identity and our hope so knit together that people see something that's really different, that we become that peculiar person, as Peter would share Last thought, being accepted in the beloved. That last question is, do you enjoy your position in the body of Christ? Chances are you have no idea what that is. And the only way you're going to find out is to walk by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit and get involved. When I started in a church and where my heart was laid bare before God and I wanted to be used, uh, we had this puppet team come for VBS and this little puppet popped up and began singing a charity church mouse song called Make Me a Servant, Humble and Meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak. Lord, may the prayer of my heart always be Make me a servant. Make me a servant. And I began weeping there. And I said, that's all I want to be. That's all I want to be. I'm tired of the up and down, up and down spiritual walk. I want to be a committed follower of Christ, walking in the power of your spirit. And life began to change. Then the pastor foolishly told me I could be a janitor. And I want you to know, I do not solder pipes very well. And that's another story. But then to start teaching. And soon, heading up a youth group. And soon people coming to me and saying, we believe 
we believe that we see a shepherd's heart and that you should be a pastor. Start walking by faith. Get connected in the body of Christ. And it starts here at the cross with a body broken, bloodshed, so that you could have forgiveness of sins. As Billy comes to sing, let's stand and close our night in prayer. And there will be prayer teams on the side. If you want to give your life to Christ tonight, don't leave here without doing that. Let's stand and pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it can be founded in the truth of God. We thank you that it can be guided by your spirit and godly men, discipled. And Father, we just thank you that you have blessed us beyond our expectation, beyond what we deserve. Father, adopted, accepted. Father, you know our hearts here tonight. Father, how I pray that if there's one here tonight who's never trusted Christ as Savior, that they'd come up and just say help. Lead me to the cross. And Father, for the rest of us, I pray as we take communion that we would look at those questions in our hearts and lives, truly celebrating the hope that we have in Christ, celebrating the salvation that we have, celebrating your perfect will for us, wanting to use us for your glory and your glory alone. Meet every need of our hearts tonight through your riches and glory, for it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.